We're going to turn in God's Word now to John's Gospel, chapter 11, and we're going to read verse 1 down to verse 44. And don't worry, we're not doing a verse-by-verse sermon today. Uh, We're just going to look at a few different things from this account of the raising of Lazarus. But let's look at John's Gospel, chapter 11, verses 1 to 44, and our sermon title is The Call to Life. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you, are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he had fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant he was taking a rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go also, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? 
Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is powerful. Lord, we thank you that we see your nature and your character through it. We thank you that it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Lord, as we gather around your word, Lord, would you, we trust that you would speak to us through it, for it never returns to you void. Lord, I pray that you would use the fullness of my heart this morning, Lord, to deliver your truths. Would we hear that call to life, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 11 begins by telling us that Lazarus was unwell. And we haven't met this Lazarus at this point in John's gospel. They were quickly introduced to him and were told about him, where he came from, from Bethany, who his sisters were. There were Mary and Martha. We read that Mary was the one who anointed Jesus um, with, with uh, ointment and, and uh, wiped uh, her tears with her hair off Jesus' feet. And, and we're told some really interesting things about Jesus' relationship with um, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and that was that Jesus loved them. We're told that Lazarus was ill, that he had been unwell. Uh, and this wasn't just like a, a cold or, or a tummy bug. This was obviously concerning the family enough to send for Jesus to go and get him to bring Jesus to deal with the situation that was taking place. So Jesus is asked to come and heal Lazarus. And we see that the, the basis of this request was, he whom you love is ill. This, this request was grounded and based on Jesus' love for Lazarus. And that's a really interesting point that the gospel writer tells us here. And it's something that we need to remember as we journey through this. And why do we need to remember it? Well, Jesus' response to this request seemed a bit odd. It was quite a peculiar and quite an interesting and intriguing response that Jesus gives. Because if, if it was me and it was someone I loved, I would have rushed straight there. But we were told that Jesus loved Lazarus, and yet he remained two days in the place where he was. So this wasn't out of any malice intent, or this wasn't out of a, a, a disconnection between Jesus and Lazarus, because we're told that Jesus loved Lazarus. But Jesus remained two days in the same place. And we see that this family are going through a time of suffering a time of trial, a time of, of hardship. And we've thought a wee bit as we've looked through First Peter, and we'll come to it again in a few weeks' time, where we look even more at what it means to be a follower of Jesus and to suffer. It is a lie that is told that Christians never go through pain. If you're a follower of Jesus, I know that you've been through some pain in your life because we are exposed to the, the, the consequences of sin in this world, and we experience 
the, the, the fallout of sin. And, and we grieve, we mourn, we, we're hurt, we're troubled, we're anxious. We, we go through these emotions. And actually, we see here, and I, and I love that in this, in this chapter, we've just read the shortest verse in the Bible, which I think is so beautiful, that Jesus wept. Isn't that just mind-blowing? That he who has existed from before all eternity, the second person of the Trinity, the Word made flesh, the one whom all things were made through, the very Word of God, the very Logos of God, that he wept. So if Jesus wept, then I give you permission to weep. It's okay. Just because you're a person of faith doesn't mean that you always have to hold it all together. We see that Jesus himself wept out of his love for Lazarus. We spoke about, just before we baptized Jack and Adam, the, the suffering and the, the hardship that Amy and Stuart had to go through as they were expecting the twins. And in that moment, it was difficult and it was hard and, and it was... It was a struggle for them to try and comprehend what was going on. But see, this side of the suffering, though, we stood up today and we said, oh, glory to God. And that's what Jesus reveals here about Lazarus's situation, that he's going to go through, this family are going through this turmoil and this hard bit, but actually, ultimately, it's all so that God can receive glory. That's what he says, Jesus says in verse 4, this illness does not lead to death, it is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. It is hard to see what God is doing in the midst of our suffering. I'm sure if you'd asked Mary and Martha, they, they wouldn't have been able to even comprehend that ultimately this is going to lead to God's glory because they were going through the, this really difficult situation that they were enduring where their brother was dying before their eyes. But on the other side of the suffering, we see that actually ultimately this is for the glory of God. That God was at work even in the midst of the hardships that we go through in this life. Now, if you had never heard the story of Lazarus, and this was the first time you've read it through, when we got to the bit that it said, you know, he whom you love, Jesus, is ill, you probably thought that the first thing that Jesus would do was going to rush to Lazarus' aid. But then we, we see Jesus' interesting remark, where he will stay where we are for another two days. This doesn't lead to death. So again, when we read on, you probably thought, well, Jesus is going to get there in time. He's going to heal Lazarus, and Lazarus will be a-okay. That Lazarus isn't going to die, because that's what Jesus has said here. It doesn't lead to death. But that isn't what happened. We see that actually, by the time Jesus gets there, Lazarus has died. Even though Jesus said that he wouldn't. But what Jesus was meaning here was even though Lazarus would taste death, that actually ultimately he'd just fallen asleep. Because death wasn't his eternal state. I love that phrase that Jesus used here, that Lazarus, our friend, has fallen asleep. I think it's in 1 Thessalonians where, where, where Paul talks about those who pass away, that they've fallen asleep in Christ. Isn't that a beautiful picture of those that who love Jesus when they pass away? That actually they're not dead, they've just fallen asleep in Christ. Because actually their ultimate hope 
is the hope of glory. And that's the same for us believers, is it not? We talk about having eternal life now because of Jesus. Jesus has come and he's given us life. Life in all its fullness and life eternal to those who place their hope and trust in him. But there might be a time in this life where we taste death. But we who are in Jesus can say, death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? That illness doesn't lead to death. They've just fallen asleep in Christ. And there's a day coming when they will rise with all the saints in glory. Isn't the hope of the gospel just incredible? The hope that we have in Christ. But all that was happening, everything we've just read in John chapter 11 was so that God could be glorified. That's what Jesus says. Everything that's happening here with Lazarus, Mary and Martha, all the Jews surrounding them, everything that was taking place in Lazarus' illness was so that God could be glorified. Through this event, God's love and power would be shown through Jesus to all around. And like we said, bizarrely, Jesus doesn't rush back to Lazarus. He waits where he is another two days. Doesn't prayer sometimes feel like that? That it takes about two or three days for Jesus to turn up. Maybe even longer sometimes. When we're praying, sometimes it feels like Jesus comes straight away. We, we pray for a situation and, and before we know it, Jesus has answered it. And we've been relieved from that. You know, Whatever we were asking for, we've received. Whatever was going on is, is not happening anymore. Whatever we wanted to happen is now happening because we prayed. And, and Jesus turns up straight away. But there are times where he takes a couple of days. And it feels like he's taking forever. And I'm sure if you'd asked Mary and Martha, they were looking at their clock. They were seeing their brother slip away. Come on, Jesus, you've got to come. You've got to hurry up here. Lazarus doesn't have long left. Sometimes Jesus comes straight away, but other times it feels like it takes ages for him to turn up. But this is what we know, friends, that he always comes in the right time. He always comes in his time, which is the perfect time. I'm sure there have been times when you've, you've prayed and, and you've been asking Jesus to break through in power in a situation in your life. Maybe even it's for the salvation of a spouse or the salvation of a child or grandchild or friend or brother, sister, mother, father. I don't know what it is, but you've been praying for years and years and years. And, and you're thinking, Jesus, where are you? You've got to hurry up. You've got to come, Jesus. I've been praying for more than two days now. It feels like 22 years. And Jesus, I still haven't seen you break through. Don't believe the lie that it's because of a lack of faith that Jesus isn't answering. Faith is the key to unlock the sovereign promises of God. But God is still sovereign and he has a plan. And his plans are plans for good. I'm sure Mary and Martha asked with all the faith in the world for Jesus to turn up to come and heal their brother. But Jesus had a different plan. We read in Romans that all things work out together for the good of those who love the Lord and who are called according to his purposes. God has a plan for your life. And ultimately, all that he does will bring glory to his name. 
It wasn't because of a lack of faith or because of a lack of love on Jesus' part. But God had a plan here to demonstrate his power in a way that they couldn't even fathom. They were just asking for healing. But Jesus was going to turn up with resurrection power. And actually, it's because of Christ's love that he stayed away for another two days. He stayed away for an extra two days, I believe, because of his love for Lazarus. I could, I mean, Jesus could have turned up there and then and have healed Lazarus. But I think what we're seeing in this passage is that God wanted to show his power. Jesus could have turned up and have healed Lazarus from that illness. But God's plan was to show how powerful he was, how mighty he is. That even death has to answer to the Lord of life. Jesus is wanting to show them all that he can truly do. Why? Because he loved them. And it says, you know, Jesus, is, they're on their way and, and Jesus knows that Lazarus has fallen asleep. Friends, hold on to that phrase. If you've lost a loved one who was in Christ, never forget that phrase, fallen asleep in Jesus. And that's what Jesus says, but the disciples don't understand. And off they go to a place that actually was quite hostile for Jesus. So much so that Thomas has said, well, let's go. We're all going to go and die together where Lazarus has just died. That's really what Thomas has said. You know, Jesus, they were after Jesus. They were trying to stone him the last time he was there. Isn't it beautiful, the depths that the mercy of God goes to? Regardless of the cost, he comes running after those whom he loves. Whether it's been stoned in Judea, in Bethany, or hanging on a cross at Calvary. The extent he goes to so that you can have life is just mind-blowing. It's just mind-blowing. And then verses 20 and 22, they're on their way back. And Jesus knows that Lazarus has passed away. And we read that as, as he's approaching, they haven't reached the, 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 the tomb yet. But as they're approaching, we read that Martha runs out. In verse 20, and Martha heard that Jesus was coming. She went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here. My brother would not have died. My brother would not have died. Jesus reaches Lazarus. Lazarus has been dead for four days now. And as Jesus is approaching, we read in verse 20 that Martha runs out to meet him. And actually what's fascinating in verse 32, we have exactly the same or nearly exactly the same remark from Mary in verse 32. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Now I bet my bottom dollar, if I was a bet, I'm not a betting man, but if I was a betting man, I reckon they were sitting around their breakfast table, lunch table, around the, 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 the graveside moaning about Jesus not turning up. They've both said nearly exactly the same thing. And actually, it is exactly the same thing. Although we're going to see that Martha says some adds on something a wee bit extra. If you'd been here, Jesus, this wouldn't have happened. Had you arrived before now, Jesus, this wouldn't have taken place. Lazarus would still be alive. 
Had some of them been moaning that God hadn't showed up? God, if only you had done this. God, if only if you had shown up. God, if only, and you can fill the blank from the own frustrations in your life. We've all done it. We've all said it. God, if only. We've all been there. But what we see between Martha and Mary, even though it was Mary that anointed the feet of Jesus with costly oil and wiped her tears away with her hair, it's Martha who falls to her knees and she says, in verse 22, But now, even now, I know whatever you ask from God, God will give you. There's despair in both the remarks, but Martha has faith. Martha has hope that Jesus, whatever you ask now, even though it looks like a lost situation, I truly believe Jesus, whatever you ask God, he will give to you. And to her faith, Jesus says, Lazarus will rise again. And then Jesus speaks this wonderful I am saying. Because Martha says, well, I know he's going to rise again, Jesus. He's going to rise again on the resurrection day. So she believed in resurrection. It would come one day at the end of time when Jesus, when, when God would come back and take all his people to be with him. But to that remark, Jesus responds, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus speaks a word of hope into a hopeless situation. Verse 39, Jesus reaches the tomb. This phrase deeply moved. It feels like, um, you know, Jesus was like moved with compassion, but actually what he's moved with here is frustration at the lack of faith that Mary and the Jews surrounding her had. That's why he's greatly troubled, it says earlier on. He's frustrated at the lack of faith that is here. After everything that he's done, after everything they've seen, they still do not fully understand who is standing before them. So Jesus reaches the tomb and instructs them to take the stone away. Stop. Imagine you're there. Imagine you're a bystander. You've seen Mary and Martha and you've seen Lazarus pass away and you've consoled his sisters and you've given them your words of niceties and encouragement and then you hear Jesus you see Jesus turn up and you hear Jesus say roll the stone away I wonder what would you think and it's Martha it's Martha who speaks out kind of against what Jesus says Martha the one who's just said but whatever you ask God for I know he will give you it's Martha who's just had this revelation told to her by Jesus I am the resurrection and the life but it's Martha who says, hang on, Jesus. Lord, by this time, verse 39, there will be an odor for he has been dead for four days. What are you, what are you doing, Jesus? Why are you taking the stone away from Lazarus's tomb? There'll be an odor there now. He's been dead for four days. This four days thing is really fascinating. And here's why I believe it was in love that Jesus stayed away an extra two days. There was a thought in that day that when someone passed away, their spirit would hover around their body for three days, waiting to be resuscitated. Jesus, knowing that, wanted to show actually, even when you really think it's hopeless, even when you really think this person is dead, it's four days now, their spirit is long gone in accordance to the thought of that day. 
even then, I can bring life to where there's death. That's why he left it four days. It's not a mistake. It's not just a coincidence. It was all part of God's greater plan. It was a hopeless situation. But here we have the God of hope about to bring life to where there's death. There's no such thing as a hopeless situation for Christ. Our God is the one who brings hope to hopeless situations. He brings peace to where there's distress and there's storm. He brings life to where there is even death. He'd been dead for four days. Can you imagine as that stone is rolled away? Can you imagine just being there? The, the smell that would have come out of that place. It's actually quite stomach churning to think about really. If we really put our, ourselves in the story. Could you, imagine, could you imagine it? But there we have in the midst of the stench and the stink and the commotion and the crying and the, the grieving and the loss and the death. We have perfect Jesus standing there. Perfect Jesus, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, breathing in the stench of death, the decomposition of his own creation, the world that was made through him, the Word made flesh. But thank you, Lord, that God in his mercy is not put off by the wretchedness of death. Friends, Lazarus is a spiritual picture of each one of us sitting here. For friends, whether you like it or not, the Bible tells us that we are sinners and we're dead in our transgressions. We're dead in our sins. But unless God calls us to life, we stay dead. I love that hymn, and I've mentioned it loads over the last number of months. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I reckon that was the most precious and most amazing phrase that Lazarus ever heard in his life. Lazarus, come out. But Jesus didn't just smell the wretchedness of my sin. He took my sins upon himself took the stain of my life, the stain of humanity. And if you're in Christ this morning, that is your truth as well. That Jesus didn't just breathe in the wretched smell of your sin, but they were placed upon him. Why? Well, it's the same reason he did this for Lazarus, because he loves you. And if you're not in Christ this morning, Jesus stands at the door of your tomb and he says, come out, have life, hear the song of my amazing grace, hear the call to life that I'm giving to you this morning. Lazarus, come out, Jesus says. And I believe that such is the power of Jesus that he had to be specific as he gave that call to come out because such is his power over death, such is the love and mighty power of God Almighty that if he just said come out, all the graves of this world would have to have given up their dead. But he specifically called out, Lazarus, come out. 
Such is the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Remember that truth, that revelation he's just given to Martha. I am the resurrection and the life. And friends, hear this. Jesus isn't the resurrection and the life because he rose again. He rose again because he is the resurrection and the life. He's always been the resurrection and the life. It's why he rose again. It's why he could stand at Lazarus' tomb and say, Lazarus, come out. Death has never had a hold of him. By his word, things happen. And Jesus reveals in verse 40 why all this has taken place. Why all this has taken place. So that they would see the glory of God. It's all for the glory of God. Friends, our salvation, yes, it's personal. But it's ultimately for the glory of God. That's why we are saved. Yes, we obviously benefit from it and get to enjoy all God has for us. But ultimately, it is for God's glory that he is redeeming a people. You could live your life a million different ways. You could live your life for a thousand different things. But I promise you and I tell you this. There is only one person that stands at the door of your grave and has the power to say, come to life. And his name is Jesus. Only Jesus can call us from death into life. Only Jesus can take us from darkness into life. Only Jesus can take us from hopelessness and despair into eternal peace and everlasting healing. It is only Jesus that can do that. Jesus has defeated death because he is the resurrection and the life. And he proved it by rising again three days later. And this is the promise that I have in Jesus. And if you're in Christ this morning, this is your promise as well. There is no grave with my name on it. There is no tomb with Norman Afrin written on it. You know where my name is? My name is engraved in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a hope we have in Jesus. Yes, I might taste death, but ultimately I will know life and life in all its fullness because my Savior is the resurrection and the life. Can you say that this morning? If you can, hallelujah, what a Savior. And if you can't, come to Jesus. He's standing at the door of your tomb saying, come to life, come to me. Experience all I have for you. And God is still in the business of calling people out of their graves. He's still in the business of calling people from death to life. I saw young person after young person after young person stand up and say, I want to follow Jesus. They gave their hearts over 90 teenagers. Over, that's over 10, nearly 10% of the people that were there put their hope and trust in Jesus for the first time. Why? Because they heard the call to life. And three of them are from our congregation. Praise the Lord. And as I was standing there watching young person after young person put their hope and trust in Jesus, the Lord convicted my heart. And he asked me, have you lost the wonder? Have you lost the amazement of what I and I alone can do? I ask you, Sandy Hills, this morning, this very same question. Have you lost the wonder of who your God is? 
He is the God who takes people from death into life. And we cannot help, and we close with this, but compare what we're reading with Lazarus to Jesus' own resurrection. But as, Je- as Lazarus comes out of the tomb, Jesus gives this call, unbind him, take off the cloths. And that's a stark difference between Lazarus and Jesus' resurrection. Where was Jesus' grave clothes? They were folded up. Why? Because he never needed them again. Lazarus would one day taste death again in this life. But Jesus, as Paul says, rose with a spiritual body. He shall return in robes of white. The blazing sun shall pierce the night. And I will rise among the saints. My gaze transfixed on Jesus' face. That is the hope you have in Christ this morning. There is no grave with your name in it. Your name has been engraved in the hands of Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life. Hear the call to life this morning. Let us pray. Lord, we are amazed at who you are. Lord, I thank you that you stand at the door and knock. We thank you that you are the resurrection and the life. God, remind us of the wonder of you. Take us back to our first love, we pray, Lord. That moment where we ask Jesus into our hearts for the first time. God, we marvel at your goodness. We're in awe of your mercy. that you wouldn't just breathe in the wretched stench of my sin, but Jesus, you took them upon yourself. I thank you, Lord, that we can see in Christ there is no tomb with our name on it, but we have the hope of glory. And it's all because of you, Jesus. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen.